crowd that was with him. When he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, they spread the word. And a great host of people came out from all over because they heard of this sign that he had given. And they came to see what the crowd had said. Now the Pharisees looked at each other and they said, look, this is getting us nowhere. The whole world has gone out after him. I hear we got some pilgrims in the house today. Now on that first pound Sunday, Jerusalem would swell in size tenfold. Jews walking from all over the world to celebrate the day that God had set them free. And in their midst rode Jesus. Now as they would come, the priests at the temple would call out. They would call in response. There's psalms written about this. Listen to what one of them says. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And the sound goes on with this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And the people would cry, his love endures forever. You think you can do that today? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let the house of Aaron say, Now at the very end of the psalm comes a statement, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Now you got to hear it here in the Hebrew today, alright? So listen tight. Ana Yahweh Hoshiana. Can you say that? Ana Yahweh Hoshiana. Now hear the other side. Ana Yahweh Hatsliana. Ana Yahweh Hatsliana. Do you hear the sound? Ana Yahweh Hoshiana. Ana Yahweh Hatsliana. Ana Yahweh Hoshiana. Ana Yahweh Hatsliana. It's like they would gather, calling out from the temple. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. You got it, right? You hear tucked within there, Hoshiana. Hosanna, Yahweh, save. I thought maybe we could try it here today. I'll call it out, you respond, you ready? Now I want you to shout it out today like Jesus is in your midst because you know what? He is. Here we go. Anna Yahweh Hashiana! Anna Yahweh Hatsliana! Anna Yahweh Hoshiana! Anna Yahweh Hatsliana!
Lord. We come here, we sing your praises. We just love you this morning. God, use this, use us. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning, guys. I'm tired. <laughs> and my son Ben here with me. We had an 8 o'clock call time this morning. And you ever have these moments when you're walking going, we are not going to make this. Right? And this guy ran the whole four-mile last stretch with me. All right? So few Christians realize how big it actually was. See, ancient sources say that the city of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus was probably like 30,000 people. The sources say that a Palm Sunday for the week of the Passover, and this kickstarts it, for that week of the Passover, that, 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 that this premier Jewish holiday, they'd say the city size would swell anywhere from half a million to two million people. The number is so big in the records that people today go, it has got to be an exaggeration. Can you imagine the population of McHenry swelling to the size of Chicago? For one, who here has been to New Orleans at Mardi Gras? A little too eager there, Steve. A little too eager. All right. You got to get that in your head. Because this was not some somber, reflective, religious holiday. This was raucous. This was chaotic. This was frenetic. Because see, this day, this day, the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem, it was not a religious holiday the way that you and I probably think about religious holidays. Today was Independence Day. Because see, this is what Passover was all about. There was a time when the people of Israel were crying out to God because the Egyptians had them under their thumb. They were oppressed. They were abused. They were slaves. And they cried out, God, where are you? God, save us. In Hebrew, Hosanna. And the story of Exodus says that God raises up this man named Moses and Moses comes to Pharaoh, the superpower of the day, and he says, let my people go, and he won't. And through signs and wonders and miracles and displays of power, God shows the powers of this world that they got nothing on him. And God's people were free. Free from the hands of the ones that kept them down. Free against all odds. They were free. And Jews would gather from all over creation, some walking as many as hundreds of miles on foot. They would have to take a month because you're bringing your family with stops along the way. The sacrifice that they would have to make, closing their businesses, leaving their homes, leaving their fields to journey to Jerusalem. To celebrate that no matter what faces you or me, God has set you free. Palm Sunday was Independence Day. And what you need to think of today is Fourth of July Parade. Because that's what Jesus walked into. That's what Jesus was marching in. Do you see these things right here? Do you know what these are? We know that they had palm branches and they waved them, right? And we think, well, kind of cool. There's palm trees growing. You need something to wave, right? What you see here is the equivalent of an American flag. 
There was a period of time in Jewish history, just before the time of Jesus, when the Jews again experienced about a hundred years of political freedom. And you know what they did? They minted coins. Because what do we do? We put the symbols on our money that stand for what we believe in, right? And they minted coins, and you know what was on the back of the coins? Palm branches. It was the national symbol of freedom. And as Jesus walked in, and as they waved these things, don't miss the implication. He will set us free again. When they would shout Hosanna, this is not some religious term in the way that you and I might think of religion. When they were shouting Hosanna, they were shouting the equivalent of land of the free, home of the brave. Because God had set them free. And they knew, and they hoped, and they believed that God just might do it again. And into the midst of this rides Jesus. Into the midst of this rise, rides Jesus. And you heard the reading. The crowds knew this is the one who called Lazarus from the tomb. This is the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. Isn't this the one who spoke to the storms and calmed it? Isn't this the one who was in the synagogues and cast out the demons? Isn't this the one who gives sight to the blind? Isn't this the one who gives power to the leper? Isn't this the one on whom the favor and power of God rests? Is this the one? because we haven't seen anything like it. He must be the one to set us free. And the crowd went nuts. It was like a Mardi Gras parade, screaming and cheering out of their minds because maybe, just maybe, this is it and we get to witness it. We get to see it. We get to experience the day that God has come to visit his people and set them free in a way maybe even greater than what he did at Egypt. Can you start to get the feel for what that day must have been like? Can you start to understand the frenzy of the crowd, why they're ripping off their clothes and throwing them at Jesus' feet to walk upon. And that's what we celebrate today. We celebrate the day that Christ has set us free. Except the amazing thing here, and don't miss this, the amazing thing is that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he completely reinterpreted what the entire event was about. You, you, you ever have this issue with God? You ever have this issue with God where you, you want him, you, you have an idea of how he's supposed to do something, right? You have an idea of how this is supposed to play out and you are cheering at the top of your lungs because that you know that God, despite the fact you don't say it, you know that God is going to play according to your playbook. Have you been there? Because I have. And isn't it the best feeling in the world? Do you know those moments when it feels like the Spirit of God comes upon you, but in all reality it might be your own spirit within you going, Rock on! God is going to do what I want. Nothing beats it. I would tear my clothes off and throw someone at their feet. You know, they're going to walk in and do what I want. How about you? Right? But what Jesus does is he comes in. 
and he reinterprets the entire event. Their first hint should have been him riding a donkey. Right? Because this does not seem to be a display of glory and power. Would you agree? I mean, how often have you gone by like a city monument and you see a general with a sword raised up on, on a steed on two legs, but it's like a donkey instead of a horse? It just doesn't fly, right? It's just kind of weak. And it should have been their first sign that Jesus was maybe coming to do something far different. That maybe he was coming to bring something greater and deeper. That wasn't what expectation was at all. You know, I, I think about this. And I think about what it means to be free. You ask anyone off the cuff, do you want to be free? Absolutely. We cheer and we scream. But you know what? In a strange way, follow me. Jesus didn't actually come to set you free. You've heard the, the, the phrase, freedom is not free. I want to submit another phrase to you today. This also might be true, that freedom is not good. Here's what I mean. To be in a place where you call your own shots, to which you are accountable to no one but yourself, and to which you are your own master is ultimately not freeing. Amen. And that's what Jesus came in to do. Have you ever wondered why a crowd would switch on someone in five days from cheering Hosanna to cheering crucify him? It's weird. It's kind of fickle, isn't it? I mean, I've had my share of fair weather friends in my life, but this is like over the top. <laughs> and we do. We read the story, and we kind of have this moment, don't we, where it's like, I, this is, I don't get it. But imagine what happens when the one who comes into your midst starts proclaiming things that are not only different, but are actually even against that which you hold dearest. And God has got a funny way of doing that. Not only is freedom not free, in a certain sense, freedom is not even good. Because freedom left unchecked will ultimately lead to your own ruination. That's a good word, ruination, isn't it? Do you follow what I mean? Freedom left unchecked will lead to your own ruination. To do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, no matter what. Well, our grandparents had a word for it. It will spoil you. All right? Now, I think of that word spoiling. You know, if someone says you're spoiled today, what you kind of think about is like a selfish, kind of like rich brat. Right? But I started to think, what do they actually say when they mean spoiled? So, so I brought some produce with me today. Because whenever I do a Palm Sunday pilgrimage, I always need to bring, you know, my share of produce with. How about you? Now, I'm really sorry, guys. This is getting weak. These were like bright yellow when I left this morning. All right? It is amazing what that many hours in the cold on the road does to your bananas. But whatever. All right. These look fairly decent, right? I mean, they're, I like them green. They're kind of out of my range, but go with me here, all right? They're kind of all right. We would eat something like this. We would look at this and go, yeah, maybe not on the verge, dude, but, but really not spoiled. But then I look at something like these. Ew, it's wet. Oh. Oh, it's wet. You take that, man. Come on. <laughs> 
It's like oozing out the top. Big theological question, which banana do you want to be? You're following me, right? Because when something is spoiled, something is ruined. It is not good for anything. I think of what Jesus said, right? If salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is not good for anything except to be basically thrown out on the manure heap. Well, I don't even know if this is worthy. It stinks. i got to get this away from me. Of that. Because fundamentally, abject, complete freedom, the way that we are inclined to seek it, is ultimately going to lead to our ruination. Do you know why? Because you and I, we're already, we're already kind of spoiled inside. I want to read this passage to you today. It comes from Romans 3, and I really want you to take it to heart. Because this is a statement the Bible is saying is true. And it's a statement that he's saying is true about you. I want you to take this one seriously and, and, and I even want you to push back, if you will. And don't just dismiss the language out of hand. This is what he says. There is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And the Bible says that that's true about you. I can imagine what some of you are thinking. I see God. I want God. Thanks be to God that he stirred something in your heart, but apart from him, that is you. Which means if the Bible is true, our inclination and complete freedom will not naturally be towards good, but towards the ruination and spoiling of who we are. And without understanding that, you cannot understand Palm Sunday and what this week is all about. Because the fundamental thing that Jesus wrote in on this day that we celebrate was not to set you free from Romans, was not to set you free from these other things, though God will still one day set us free from all these physical things. It was to set you free from yourself. To set you free from the power of sin, which enslaves you. Enslaves you worse than the Israelites were ever enslaved in Egypt. And God comes to you. And he says, my son has ridden in so you can be really, truly free. We've been memorizing a passage uh, these past several weeks. It's Galatians 5.1. It says this, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. But don't misunderstand what that freedom is about. 
It's not God saying it's for freedom that Christ set you free like some kind of idea. It's for the sake that, yeah, you can go do whatever you want. It doesn't matter because God forgave you and life's good. No. In fact, the Bible says something else. He says, you're always slaves of something. Which do you want to be a slave to? A slave of sin or a slave of righteousness? Because when Jesus came in that Palm Sunday and people shouted, Hosanna, blessed is the king. The king that they fundamentally wanted was a king who would do what they wanted. And God has got a funny way of turning things on its head. It is really easy to cheer for a leader when he does what you want, isn't it? It is really difficult to acknowledge your king when he doesn't. I think about this this morning and the people that were cheering and screaming and saying Hosanna, willing to say, Jesus will give our lives for you because you do what we want. But how much harder is it to scream and to cheer and to wave this thing and say, Jesus, we will give our lives to you when you don't. I wonder if somehow this can stand as a symbol today. A symbol for those areas of our life that demand independence from the way of God. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want. Hosanna. When God comes and he says, I seek more than to be your savior. I also want to be your Lord. Because when you bow your knee to me and put me first in your life and put my way before your way, my dreams before your dreams, my end before your end, only then will you find freedom indeed. That other freedom... The idea of just being autonomous, doing what we want, and letting God fit in the picture, it's a sham, it's a lie, it's slavery. It feels free. It's a spiritual shackle. But bending a knee to the King of Kings and saying, you, Lord, I want first in my life. May all things be before you. I think that's what Paul might mean when he says it's for freedom that Christ set you free. We're going to commune today. And as we do, I want to encourage you to do something. Maybe there's an aspect of your life that you're holding back. Maybe there's an aspect of your life that you're hiding from God. Maybe there's an aspect of your life where he doesn't sit on the throne. You're seeking your own way in independence and not his way. And that dependence. I want to encourage you to make Jesus Lord of your life today. To submit yourself to him in obedience. To surrender yourself to his spirit. To say... 
Let your will be done. Maybe this is your symbol today. Your symbol to lay at his feet. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that place today, and there is something that you need to lay at the throne of Jesus. When you come up here to commune and you commit your life to him, to lay that before him and put him on the throne. You with me on that? Because that's the heart of what today is about. King of kings, Lord of lords, Hosanna in the highest is best said from the knee. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we come. We come because you are the king. The people cried it out coming into Palm Sunday that day. And Lord, we do the same. God, it is so easy and so joy-filled to proclaim you king when it fits with our image of what that should be. But God, there are those times that you confront us. You come face to face with our sin, our ruination, our spoiledness. You call us, God, to obey you. And God, we, we pray for that today. Lord Jesus, be Lord of our lives. May every knee bow and every tongue confess, Lord Jesus, you are Lord. Unearth, God, and unroot those areas of our lives that we have not submitted to you. And may our week be marked by our giving ourselves our all, our whole, every aspect of our being. Here we are, God, our wills, our desires, our dreams, our sins, our struggles, our fears, our doubts, our uncertainties, our stubbornness, our pride. God, we give it all to you. Take our independence. May we experience the freedom that comes from you. Well, God's people said, Amen. Our Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper, he took a cup and he gave it to them and he said, Drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this often. Remember what it means that I've set you free. Pilgrims, welcome to the table of the Lord. The year was 325 A.D. Over 300 Christian pastors and leaders and bishops gathered together. Over 300 of them had lost an eye, a hand, or a limb for the name of Christ. And together they devised and developed a statement of truth, a statement of faith, a proclamation of the cosmic divinity 
and lordship of Jesus. May it be your prayer. May it be your confession. May it be your heart song today. I invite you, as the people shouted out Hosanna when Jesus came in, to shout out his lordship in this statement today. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hosanna! Hosanna! Amen. Amen. Guys, you can have a seat. It's it. Today is the week, and it started history. And this week at Fellowship of Faith begins something that we invite every single one of you here today to be a part of, to not let it pass you by, to soak in and experience and embrace and cry out to Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord because it'll change you forever. Before we break today, listen, ushers are going to come forward. In just a moment, they're going to be receiving the offerings, and they're going to be receiving those connection cards. I encourage you, make a commitment to Christ today. Offer your prayers up to Christ today. Take a next step in your faith journey. Let us know that you worshiped. You could check that stuff on the back and just drop them in the buckets as they come by, all right? So ushers, if you'd like to do that now, and while they're collecting that, guys, what I want to do is I want to let you know about how this week coming up is going to unfold.